Hey, Evan. Yes? What do you call a hippie's wife? What? Mississippi. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to episode 225 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman and I am your host as always. And this week I am joined by one of my very best friends in the whole wide world, Amanda Farrow, the Princess of Power. How are you? I am, I'm pretty okay. I'm like, I'm pandemic okay. Pandemic okay. Which is different than pandemic fine. And that's okay. Uh, there's a lot going on. We are both yes. very busy. On top of tired. being very busy and very tired, um, there's just a lot going on in uh, what I would qualify as the real world. Um, you and I, you know, we, you know, every week we exchange text messages throughout the beginning of the week to talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast, mm-hmm. and we both kind of came to the realization mutually that there really wasn't a lot to talk about this week that we couldn't punt to another week or, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. And because there's going to be plenty of time to talk about video game news and board games are kind of at a standstill right now too, but it's the end of pride month. It is, uh, it is uh, the black lives matter protests are ongoing. Yep. Just because and they're not in the news doesn't mean they're not happening. I st- we still see them on Twitter. Um, oh yeah. And uh, also, you know, just about every, Geek culture uh, industry is currently being rocked by a number of controversies and accusations and uh, et cetera regarding um, sexual assault and harassment. And so, and abuses of power. And abuses of power. I kind of, I, I, I've always lumped those together, but you're right. Um, bad, we can lump those under uh, bad. And so, bad things are happening. And what we were talking about was. Uh, the uh, the importance of allies because all of these move you know movements is probably the wrong word but all of these situations would be better or will be better in the future with more allies more people who are there with victims or you know other people who are suffering who are there to help and so we thought we would take a, a brief moment in our podcasting schedule to, uh, you know, kind of get a little heavier than our normal fare and talk about, like, real practical steps that parents can take to help raise better allies so that they can be helpful for their friends now and forever. Yes. And this is something both of us feel pretty strongly about. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we would do that today. How about that? What do you think, Amanda? Let's do it. You know, I'm always game to have these kinds of conversations. I have them with my kids all the time. Exactly. And we'll talk all about the importance of having those conversations with your kids in a moment. But first, it is worth mentioning that our podcast is sponsored by the Virtual Economy Podcast, otherwise known as Amanda and Mike Footer, who uh, you guys have just been doing such great work. And um, so we talk about video games they talk about video games, but they talk about like the crunchy like numbers and business side of it. So if you've ever wondered how the video games that you that your kids play get paid for, definitely listen to their show. They talk. I mean, you guys cover the news too, just like us. It's just they we cover do. it from a different angle, and it is very interesting. And Thank so um, that is our sponsor this week. What 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 are your what's your topic this week? Do you know? Well, I can talk about our shows from last week. Yeah, what'd you do last uh, week? So last week we interviewed uh, the person behind the Galaxy Fund, which is funding five uh, black game developers. Awesome. Um, one of which is non-binary, and the rest of which, rest of whom, sorry, are women, and they are looking to. Um, give them $50,000 a piece, I think. I think that that was the the plan. So we are going to be talking with all of these incredible creators on virtual economy later on in July. So that was our interview episode. 
if you want to know what we thought about the news last week, Mike and I had a conversation about everything that's been going down in the game industry in terms of abuses of power. We spent almost 30 minutes top of our show talking about this and the impact on the game, the game industry, the things that we need to be doing better. Um, I'm beating the diversity and inclusion drum as I always do, except I was getting, I was getting real, real into it and saying like, needs to be baked into corporate mandates. Like you can listen to me get like real passionate about it, real loud about it. Um, and then we weighed in on the mixer situation with mixer being shuttered. So folks have been looking for my take on that. So we talked a little bit more about that on the show. Um, and went into a few other things, including Spencer's plan for the Xbox Series X subscription. Yeah. So you, you guys, and that's what's really interesting about your show is that, you know, you, you do two episodes a week. You interview somebody. All, you, you and Mike are great interviewers. Um, and you bring on cool guests who have some really interesting insights and come from different parts of the industry because there's so much you know we you know here we talk about nerd stuff right like we talk about the hype and the you know the playing of it but there's so much that goes into of course um thank you that's why you're here because you like it (laughs) um so uh but the um you know there's so much more that goes into it and so you talk to voice actors and you talk to you know people that are kind of working behind the scenes who yep. might not have ever made a game even but who are super involved in getting that done um mm-hmm. which is super cool so definitely take a look at the virtual economy podcast we'll take a listen at the virtual economy podcast and um so yeah now that we've done our sponsors we did our homework um let's talk about it so let's do it you and I kind of came up with some talking points in our pre-show meeting. So what we're going to do, folks, is we're just going to kind of work our way through them. And we may have some tangents because this is the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. And my name is Stephen Dutzman. But we're going to stay mostly on topic. Um, yes, I totally take ownership of the tangents. They are my fault. Um, but they're also my fault, too. Uh, well, okay. So she's. this is part of being a good ally. She doesn't let me beat myself up. So, Amanda... Yes. What is an ally? I'll share my definition too, but I thought you would start. What What do you think is an ally? What do we mean by that? So when we talk about allyship and we talk about people being good allies, it's people that come from outside of marginalized communities. So we're talking about white folks, straight folks, and cisgendered folks. So if you fall into any of those categories, it is your job to be a good ally. And allyship takes a number of forms. So allyship can be doing things like raising awareness and amplifying voices that are experts. It means ensuring that you are some that you are giving up your spot sometimes in something that you may want to do, but that quite frankly, your friend who is um, black, indigenous, or or otherwise a person of color might be even better for and might not have been given this opportunity otherwise because the panel is homogenous or the podcast is homogenous or the content itself is homogenous. So it's making sure that we are showing up for marginalized communities in ways that are tangible or real and authentic. Um, Yep, you said it real good. That's why I had you go first. yeah, when you talk about people that uh, that are not in marginalized communities, I certainly recognize I fall into many of those categories, being a straight white cis male. So, um, it is uh, you know th- there is it's a, it, it, when I we talk about allyship and what it means, you know, I don't necessarily you know view it as you know giving up anything. Um, You're giving more. Well, I, I, my turn. My turn. Um, <laughs> I have the talking stick right now. Um, no, I don't view it as giving up anything. When I view it, <laughs> we're just being silly, guys. Um, the uh, what I view it as is, um, you know, it's it's a responsibility that I have as a person who is not in a marginalized community, who uh, to you know to to play support in whatever form that takes. And so that may be, um, you know, that, and, 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 
being a supporter, you know, sometimes that could be as simple as just being a, you know, being a top fan on their Facebook page and just shouting them out all the time. Sometimes it could mean being a literal shield at a convention. Um, sometimes it could be inviting people onto a podcast that maybe had never had a chance to before and giving them a, a you know, giving them that opportunity. And, you know, and those are just things that I can do. Right. Because, yes. um, you know, it, it's, you know, knowing being a good ally for me, it's knowing what you can do and what your authority and power is and using that to support other people. Um, nobody it. has to invent new stuff. You don't have to go build superpowers. Sometimes it's just lending support to people and that matters. So um, and I think that hearing that. Um, I think that's a transferable lesson to give to kids, right? Like because you it know, is. they kids not going to give up their opportunity to be on a panel at a convention, right? But they can, you know, super shout out the streamer that they see who happens to be a person of color and be super nice and positive and happy and be like, "Heck yeah, man, you're doing awesome." Um, to drown out those negative voices. That's something a kid can do easily. Absolutely. Um, hit that subscribe button on the person of color, you know, on their on their YouTube channel or something like that, or that sure. woman or something like that. Um, so that's my thought as far as what makes an ally. I love somebody it. that use your power for. I don't want to say use your power for good. That sounds cliche, but use it to support people um, in whatever way they need. Yeah, absolutely. And while we are fighting for justice, because the end goal is always justice in, in doing this kind of work, you know, it's important that we keep in mind that allies are that allies exist to help provide the bridge between inequality and equality, with inequity with equity. And there are many ways that we can do that, and there are many ways that we can show up for people in marginalized communities um, and marginalized identities whatever that looks like and there it takes a number of shapes and when we talk about it with our kids it's completely different than how we talk among how we talk about it among amongst our peers when you and I talk about it with each other when I talk about it with my partners it's very different it takes a completely different shape especially for like our our littlest daughters ages right like how do you have those conversations and we want to help you guys have those mm -hmm. conversations Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a good segue. It's like we've been podcasting for a hundred episodes or something. Um, the we should probably figure out where we are so we can actually do that countdown. Because I'm sure it's getting close to a hundred. Um, the um, you know how to talk to talk to your kids about it. I think you bring up a really good point in that talking to other people. Um, obviously it's going to be different, right? You have to know your audience um, because yeah. not only is it different, you know, you and I talking as peers versus us talking to our kids of various ages and our partners. Also, like as allies, you're going to be talking to people who are bad allies or yeah, who are absolutely. not. And so you yeah, have to... Because there's no such thing as a monolithic force, right? Like if we look at like tokenism as this monolithic force of like, oh, we have a woman at our studio or... Yeah, we let this we let this girl play with us on the playground. Then suddenly, that person represents the entire marginalized portion of an industry of yeah. uh, of the population. So they end up becoming monolithic versus how things should look, where everybody's different and everybody mm -hmm. views everybody views how to be a good ally a little bit differently. Like you view it a little differently than I do, and I think that that's really beautiful because I think it fills in the gaps where we both are absolutely um and so you know for me you know talking to you my kids you know i for me um you know i don't really use the the, the i don't use the words right you know i don't say this is how to be a good ally right um, yeah maybe I, and maybe i should but so far i have not and really what i do is you know model the behavior and tell them what to do and not necessarily so so far for me i have not really gotten into a lot of the why um okay. and for me uh it's you know modeling the behavior it's be supportive don't be a troll it's you know talk to you know talk to people be inclusive don't mm -hmm. use exclusive language um and you know 
to be better so that you encourage other people to do it with you um, right. and, and try to disassociate yourself from, you know, the, the, the bad, you know, the, the bad actors, right? Like don't mm-hmm. be like them and learn exactly. and glom on because, you know, kids are sponges. They are, and so absolutely. so all it takes is one obnoxious kid and, you know. Or one well, obnoxious streamer. Or, or one obnoxious streamer. Well, I mean, how many how many of us have had kids who watch YouTubers and all it took is one video and all of a sudden they're saying triggered everywhere. And yeah, it's like, and it's, it, it's not something that's happening in our house yet because YouTube is so tightly curated in yeah. our house because it's just the algorithm specifically is designed to create addictions that it's just not worth it in a house full of children that already you know are constantly looking their brains are constantly looking around for stimulation as it is it's just it doesn't work for our house and it doesn't work for our kids that's fair uh with us literally it was one youtube video and Mm -hmm. i don't even remember when it happened or who i don't truthfully i don't know who it was i I mean it it could be anybody is part of the problem yeah exactly that's part Um, of the problem um, but it was one video and all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, this is triggered this and triggered that. And, and they were throwing that word around and it took me a second because it was like, a, you know, a punch in the face. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's like, OK, guys, let's talk about what that word means. And, mm-hmm. you know, as grownups, we know what a lot of these words mean or we can look it up and figure it out. And, you know, what are they yep. getting at? And being like, guys, you realize that's super not cool. Um, you know, probably – you know, the biggest example, and you and I talked about this very briefly, but my kids kept making uh, 7.8 too much water references about everything. Oh, boy. Because they had no idea. Now, for those of you listening, I won't get into it. It's a, it's a meme that derived from an insult at a female video game journalist who reviewed a Pokemon game. <laughs> she has explained this shenanigans a thousand times. Um, but people don't... Well, a, a fair amount of the inter- the toxic portion of the internet doesn't believe her, but my kids heard it, and they kept being like, you know, 7.8, too much blank is like a meme, and they kept doing it to me. And it took me a minute to, like, you know, figure out what they were saying, mm-hmm. right? Because you just, that's stuff that I saw on the internet. I didn't – and, um, you know, I had to sit them down and be like, guys, listen, do you know what you're saying? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times they don't. And no, I was like, most of the time they don't because memes are are half the time ironic or meant sarcastically or meant in jest and none of that comes across on the internet. None of Absolutely. It. I would be willing to bet that if we took a million uses of that meme, like half of them at least are people that have no idea where it came from, no idea why it was done, and they were just doing it to be morons um mm-hmm. and in some of them it might have even been funny but the but the reality is like it all derived from this like poisonous well so like we got to cut it off so we talked and i was like guys let me and so i brought up her instagram and i was like this is an actual person who reviewed this score like an actual human being and um it was really you know, nice by the way very nice very talented human Callie being. is great Kelly is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent her so we every time maggie does something pikachu related which is frequently, by the way, um, I send her and uh, I will. And if you look at my timeline, you can see it. I tweet a picture of it to uh, her and Miranda Sanchez from IGN. And so they're like, I'm the dude who sends them Pikachu costumes. I hope that's what they remember me as. Um, but the um, but they always say it's cute because obviously it is. It's Maggie in a Pikachu costume or whatever. But um you know, having to talk to them about that, it was a tough conversation because it's like, no, it's like this is a real human being. And um, I would imagine that it might be somewhat difficult for, you know, parents that aren't necessarily connected to yeah. kind of decipher the language. But I would encourage you, you know, we're, we're talking about modeling behavior. Yes. If they're saying stuff you don't understand, you know, Question the it. easy cop, exactly. The easy cop out is, oh, well, kids speak a different language. It's, don't fall into that trap. Just don't. It's yeah. an easy pattern to fall into. It's easy to just throw up your hands and be like, oh, these kids in their Twitch or oh, these kids in their YouTube. Like, no, this isn't this isn't like the old days where it's just, oh, these kids in their rock and roll where it's still moderated by like a like a standards commission. It's not like that. 
YouTube yeah. doesn't have standards at all. Twitch doesn't have standards at all. You can be anyone, say anything, and for the most part, not really face consequences, which is a big part of what's been going on in the game industry lately, where people are now being deplatformed, de quite frankly. And yeah. it's it's about time. But without without putting in that extra effort and getting to know the kinds of content that your kids are consuming or that your the people that your kids are interacting with on Twitch, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on TikTok, like on any of these platforms that they're using, like no kids are using Facebook these days, so whatever. But and barely any kids are on, on Twitter, but they're all on TikTok, they're all on Snapchat, they're all on Instagram, and they're all on YouTube. It doesn't matter if they're gamers or not, that's just where kids hang out. Mm -hmm. But if you're not getting your kids to explain to you what they're watching, and you don't have those content conversations, you're missing out on really prime opportunities to talk about things like empathy, to talk about the important pieces of being a good digital citizen as well as being a good global citizen, which is what I, which is how I talk to my kids about being allies. Is we don't talk about allyship, we talk about being good global citizens. That's, I mean, and we're, we're going to talk a whole lot about that <laughs> in a moment. One resource I want to give everybody: if your kid is saying something that you truthfully do not understand, and it sounds like a meme, <laughs> um, I hesitate to tell you to just Google it because sometimes that'll give you some weird results. However. Uh, there is a website called knowyourmeme.com. Yes. Know Your and Meme is, is a really important, It's believe it or not, it is a very important place for, for parents to get familiar with. Yeah, because for example, and this is your homework, go to knowyourmeme.com and type in 7.8, too much water. It's there with like a thousand word explainer with images a thousand words is probably an, an exaggeration but it is a long explanation about the history and it has video examples and picture examples um and it'll tell you exactly what it means and um you know it may it may not necessarily always include all the full context but you'll get an idea of what they're talking about so that they won't necessarily be talking in code I don't necessarily think and expect everybody will do that with every weird one-off thing that their kids say. But, but if, if it's anything, a pattern. Exactly. If they're anything like my kids who say the word Rasengan every 15 seconds. It's from Naruto, by the way. Um, everything's okay. a Rasengan. Uh, it's the, the little swirly thing that he does before he shoots it out. I don't know. It's some kind of ninja move. I don't know. Okay. It's cool. Listen, if Goku did it, I would know all about it. I was about um, to say, I'm like, I know stuff that Goku did. Nope. Um, he does uh, the, the 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 Kamehameha thing. Um, I know that part, and the so and the spirit bombs and all sorts of stuff. I don't know. Listen, we're dorks, guys. You should know oh, this. Um, listen, um, I can tell you. I can name a lot of different transformers and what their car forms are. Uh, they know ninjas. If, if and you their all ever want to dork out with with my partner Mike and Steve and talk about Transformers, they will talk your ear off. If they make an, if they eventually make a Transformers game again, maybe we'll we'll have Mike on and we'll talk all about it. Um, and you'll and you'll roll your eyes at us. Um, because we're gonna get next level. But anyway, so that's a good resource. Know your meme. Um, it is not like Urban Dictionary. I don't send no. people to Urban Dictionary because Urban no. Dictionary is always gross. It's um, awful. Know your meme can be, but only. If the meme is gross, and you'll know exactly, right away. Um, in the case of you know, so that's that's a resource you can use to help understand what the heck the kids are saying. Because sometimes my kids say stuff, and I really don't understand it. And I try, I try my best to keep up. Um, so the um, so anyway, so that's a resource. So uh, we the next thing we talked about, and I think this is a a, a you know good thing to segue into is you know mm -hmm. you won't notice these patterns. Um, if you're not listening, right? So you have to listen to the to your kids about what they're saying and what their experiences are. But then we have to impart that on them and encourage them to listen to the people around them as well. So like they, they need to model that behavior. And so they need to listen. Um, and Amanda, you had some pretty strong feelings on that. So. Listening is listening is really important, and I mean, we talk about our children listening to taking instructions and listening to their teachers and listening to um, 
to other parents and and, and leaders in the com- in their communities. But this is beyond that. Like we're we're talking about when we ask a child to really listen and to listen to people that have different lived experiences, we're asking them to listen not just with their ears, but with their hearts. And we're asking them to internalize what that person is telling them. So if what a person is saying to one of our children is like, hey, that was racist. Our kids need to need to be able to listen and they need to be able to suppress that that urge to get embarrassed and get angry and get upset because that's often what happens as a result of embarrassment, especially if it happens at school um, or in a social setting that we're always listening and we're always internalizing those things as like, listen, we, we all, like all people, we all have our internal biases, our internalized biases. There's no way around it. All we can do is just keep examining those biases to make sure that they're not influencing our lives consciously on a regular basis. So when you listen and you listen to people that have different lived experiences than you and are part of a marginalized community, what you're doing is you're teaching your children empathy. And that's really an enormous portion of listening is that it cre- helps to create that empathetic loop of, oh, I care about this person. I care about what they're saying. They care about me because they're telling me this thing. I feel, I feel even deeper now. I feel even more empathy towards their lived experience. And I'm going to take this information and I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to take it into the next situation if I ever find myself in this situation again. You're right. You put it very well. Um, you know, these are, you know, they have to, uh, what I think an important lesson, and this is hard for me, this has always been a challenge is kind of listening um, to kind of have the message delivered to you without necessarily having it be explicitly told. Like mm-hmm. you got to listen and be aware. Like if somebody's upset, you know, sometimes you can tell without them saying, I, dude, I am upset with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, you know, so obviously some people will struggle with that. Um, but, you know, if, if you can, you have to try and pick up and, and listen to the emotions in the room and mm-hmm. try and piece together what is happening. Um, that is a, a particular challenge of mine that I'm always working on. Um, but but that know. is something that's deeply rooted in empathy, where yep. if, you can, if you can look at another person, especially as children, because children are, for the most part, um, they're so in tune with each other and they're so in tune with themselves, even if they don't have the language to communicate it, like they get it, they feel it. And teaching your kids to listen to themselves in those moments too, where it's like, oh, this thing feels really off and my friend feels bad. And I wonder why that's it, why that is. Did I say something? Did I do something that made my friend hurt? You know, I, and that's, that's an important piece of empathy. That's, that's, that's the hard empathy work to do, especially when you're young and you think the whole world revolves around you and your family. True. Yeah, no, I mean, you have to, I mean, I think that's one of the first barriers you got to break is like mm-hmm. realizing that there are other, that there are other people out there, um, yep. that are not just, that don't just exist to provide entertainment or companionship, like that they exist and they have their own troubles and their own likes and dislikes and their own hopes, their own their dreams. Own hopes. Exactly. Um, so, and, and you know, that empathy piece, right? Like being, a, learning, and I mean, nobody's going to get it right, um, immediately um but the idea of being able to at the very least try to perceive the world the way that like in in the from the perspective of someone else and see what they're you know trying to see what they're going through and trying to you know be you know cautious or and protective of them just because you understand you know, it's easier to do that when you understand mm-hmm. what they're, what they're going through. And yeah. I say try because the reality is it's almost impossible to really put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, yeah. But you got to try and, you know, you got to encourage kids to give it a shot. Absolutely. It's really important. Like it, even if we're not, we're not talking about this from 
you know, a social justice perspective. We're just talking about this, like being kind on the playground, you know, cause our daughters are really young. They're the same age, you know, they won't necessarily understand, you know, why this work is important yet. I mean, I talk pretty explicitly with Viv- like, I talk very straightforward with Vivian because her emotional capacity is pretty astounding at her age, but I wouldn't do that with every child. I just wouldn't, it's just, it wouldn't stick. But if you talk about it just from like a, well, would you, would you play with this person if they were different, if they looked different than you, if they acted different than you? Well, yeah, of course I would, mama. Okay, well then you're, you're doing the good empathy work already. This is already like within your realm of capabilities. You're already including people that think differently than you, that look different than you, that come from different socioeconomic backgrounds than you. So. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're, I mean, you know, not everybody has that. It, nobody has easy access to Mm-mm. being able to use those kind of examples. I mean, we're yeah. fortunate in that we send our kids into a, a, a magnet school that pulls kids from all over the place. So, like, they awesome. are kind of forced into an environment where, you know, the, the very diverse, lots of different languages. And, Love it. Um, so we're, you know, fortunate in that. You know, for them, that's the normal. They, my kids have never known anything different, but I'm sure that there are, place, there are places elsewhere where that ain't the case. Yeah, like in my town. My town is very homogenous, and it's and there's a lot of struggle with finding and attracting people that are able to afford to live here because where I live is really expensive, and so it already cuts out a significant amount of of BIPOC folks that don't have the means to be here, which sucks because it means that our schools are homogenous. So what we do instead, or what we do as well rather, is we invite in a diverse range of content. And I think that that is an important piece of helping to teach children empathy if they come from, you know, fairly whitewashed towns. Like my town growing up was really whitewashed. Like my best friend was, from like her parents were from India. She was born in my hometown. Like she was Canadian through and through and through. Um, but she's brown. She was my best friend, but she was the only brown kid in school. Which is a bunch of white kids. Right? So like she was she grew up surrounded just by a bunch of white kids, and my kids are growing up surrounded by mostly white kids. So we have to introduce content that comes from a wide range of perspectives. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about that? And I agree with you. Um, you know, when we were talking about when we, you brought up this point and we put it when we put it in the show notes, mm-hmm. kind of while we were, you know, rattling off ideas. Um, and the, the phrase that the two of us kind of workshopped together was, you know, consuming a diverse range of content from a diverse group of people. And I think that that's mm-hmm. relevant because it is. Um, and it's never been easier um, it's because. True we all have access to because of YouTube and because of you know Amazon and because of you know the internet we have access to all of it right and mm-hmm. so um, it, it the you know and, and the good news is um, in recent months you know th- even a year ago this conversation would have been different because we would have might have had to tell people to you know it might have been harder to look for some of these diverse, the, some of this diverse content, but uh, there are, you know, literally just Google it, <laughs> books by women, book, you know, whatever, and you will, and YouTubers who are, and then you will find lists and suggestions, yeah. and um, I encourage everybody to, you know, expand their reach a little bit. Like if your Absolutely. kid is watching YouTube and literally all they do is they watch, they you know, well, if they were watching Mixer and they were watching Ninja, that's obviously not a thing anymore. But if they're only watching Ninja on wherever he is and Mr. Beast on YouTube, perhaps it would be a good idea if they go find somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I'm not saying to just boot those guys out of their lives. If they're important and, you know, they're creating content that they enjoy, I mean, by all means. But I think additional perspectives are useful. There are plenty of... Yep women that who make youtube videos that cover mm-hmm. and they're pl- and if they, all they want is fortnite i guarantee you there's a woman there that streams are plenty fortnite. of women there's there gotta are plenty be. of women out there that <laughs> absolutely stream fortnite and, and that are excellent players so if 
if you're going into a Fortnite stream and you're looking for like pro level playing, there are plenty of women streamers yep. out there that are it, exceptional. At exactly, you can find them. Um, yep. There are women who they're everywhere um, for, in every game. In every game. Um, and you want to come and watch Civ Six at a fairly hey, look, high level? You come watch me. Look at that, pro level Civ Six. Look at that. I wouldn't say pro, but I play it at a high level. Yeah. Is there is can you be a pro? Is there a professional Civ Six? Is there is Civ Six an esport? Yes, it is. That's crazy. Um, I didn't know it was an esport. You know, whatever. I mean, farming simulator is an esport. Um, and you know what? Honestly, there are people that cover these topics that don't necessarily play them, right? You know, there's, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's all sorts of hosts for you know Overwatch esports. You know, each esports team has a new host, and you know has you know have hosts that do videos and interviews of the teams and focus on them. A number of them are women. Uh, the Vancouver. Something, Vancouver. What their name is? I think they're Vancouver. like the Beasts. The Overwatch League. Who's the Vancouver team? Are they the Beasts? No. Um, it's got a brown Chewbacca looking thing. So it's some Vancouver kind of critter. Overwatch team. I don't remember it. The Vancouver Titans. They're, okay, their mascot looks like a big, like Chewbacca looking it's a thing. Big but. Foot. It's a big foot. So I mean, all right. So I got Pacific Northwest. What do you want from our lives? Because they're the. I mean, but they're the Titans. I, you know what? I don't really care. It looks cool. Their host is a is a woman, yeah. uh, who is, uh, very funny on TikTok. Um, she's very funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't. Do you know her? All do all Canadians know each other? Uh, I am not inclined to answer that question. <laughs> all right, that's fair. Um. It's a big. It's a big country. Um, it's a huge country. <laughs> it's a huge country. Um, okay. So I'll, let me talk about it from my perspective yes. because we're not just looking at this from like a what kinds of streamers and what kind of content creators your kids are interacting with. You know, also if you are seeing that your kids are only interacting with um, with streamers that come from that are that are just white or they're just men, you know, make sure that they're that they're branching out and they're watching other streamers that don't you know, that aren't homogenous because it's always important to invite in uh, a wide array, a wide array of perspectives. But this also needs to be, um, this also needs to be about books. This needs to be about like, Hey, look, if you have a young reader in your house, there's no reason why you can't have Matthew Cherry's hair love where you learn about a little girl and her daddy, and he's teaching her how to take care of her hair. And she's a black girl. And it's such a it's such a heartwarming book, and it's a it's a it's a short, it's an Oscar winning short now, which is amazing, um, you know. And and making sure that you invite in different perspectives, like the kids and I are reading a book of poetry together from Langston Hughes, and talking about what life was like back then, and making sure that we're always being open to learning new things and learning things that are. You know, for me, that was out of my comfort zone because I'm not American. I'm Canadian. So I feel comfortable learning about indigenous people and talking about indigenous people, especially from British Columbia. But outside of that, like, I don't feel I don't feel like I've got anything to say. So it's been a lot of learning for me and how to talk to them about, you know, reading different kinds of books and watching different kinds of movies, like getting getting uh, into the Spider-Verse in front of the kids and talking about Miles Morales and and get, making sure that the kids are interested in watching television shows that feature a wide array of, of, of people that come from different, from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, so that, you know, it's not just all one thing. And it's the same thing with video games. You want to get video games that are created by a bunch of different people. Indie games are amazing for that. They're absolutely amazing for that. You want, like, the, the best place to go and find weird indie games is itch.io. And just go look around at what some of these creators are doing. Like, I mean, curate the content first, obviously. Or come talk to me at Amanda Farrow. I will, put, I will point you in the right direction for, like, awesome indie games that you can play with your kids. And they come from different people from all around the industry that, you know, have different perspectives where they're trans or they're, you know, or they're a person of color or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But those perspectives are so important. And so having that diverse range of content 
where you're consuming it together and you're talking about the content together. It's not just about the content. It's about talking about it as well. And you're going to mess up and you're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to be like, oh my God, what did I just tell my kid? You know, but it's okay. You just, you just keep coming back to it. You keep having these conversations in different ways and see what sticks and see what doesn't. And, you know, it's a process. It really is. Agreed. So, um, and you'll know the answer to this. I saw, I mostly know the answer to this. So what is an easy way? Cause the thing with video games is it's not like books. They're not like movies where, you know, you can see who's making them, right? Like, you know who the author is for mm-hmm. book X, Y, and Z, right? Like we know yes. because it says their name and whether it's a pseudonym or not, we still know who they are. Um, True. and movies, you know, obviously you can see the people in, and, um, video games, it's a little bit harder um, because there's that layer of obfuscation between, um, you know, the creators and the game itself. Um, so Especially like if, in AAA, yes. Yes. Well, in those cases, there's just hundreds of people, so it's hard to figure out. Um, but, like, how would you go about, like, let's say you were, you know, you had a pile of games ahead of, in, ahead of mm-hmm. you. How would you... Um, maybe if you didn't have like video game knowledge superpowers like Amanda Farrow does, but um, how would you go about finding out like who were the diverse voices within the crowd? So what I again, it all comes down to listening and research. So there are some pretty trusted places on the internet that talk about indie games. Um, you know the 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 big players all talk about indie games but even if no one's talking about this specific game and you're curious about it and you want to know a little bit more about it you just go onto the steam page or you go onto their twitter or whatever you find their company website and you see who made this game genuinely is you take a look and you see who founded this company and who made this game and if it's just more of the same kinds of people making this game it's like okay well i could take this game or i could leave it and it isn't just about being like i don't want to play games by white guys like let's not let's not conflate these two things because they're not the same thing making sure that we are giving a diverse set of voices a chance to tell their stories to us and so to have us listen is not the same thing as us saying white dudes suck because we're not saying that that's Absolutely. not that's not our mandate that's that's not a true real thing that we are doing here today or ever quite frankly so for me if i were going to go out and i was like you know i really want to play a different kind of game and i want to play a game that features a trans woman's voice i want to know her story what is what kind of what kind of story would would this trans woman want to tell me and it could be it could be anything it could be um, you know, with like Matt Makes Games, right? Matt Makes Games had a trans woman doing the score for Celeste. That is still a trans woman's story, but it's a trans woman's story told by told by music, right? Yep. And it's still it's still really important. It's still a diverse set of voices that we are that we're seeing. And yes, it was. You know, it was still a um, a game that was made by a white dude, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's so. But important. he diversified and, his team. Oh, I mean, in a, in an enormous way. Yes, absolutely. That that whole that whole situation, like their their development story, is fascinating. And if you don't know the development story behind Celeste and you're curious, there are plenty of places online that oh, have yeah. that have covered um, Matt makes games and Celeste and and that kind of that journey um, in depth. In, in depth. depth. And yeah, I think, absolutely. you know, to, to reinforce the point um, that the company website or their Twitter and like, you know, being, you know, you can look up, you know, just as much as we recommend, you know, check out the ESRB ratings and things like that. And you can look at the companies making these games. Um, and just like, you know who EA is because when they make Madden, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, or a team within EA. I got to get it right with the business person on the, on the phone Sports. with me. Yeah, well, it's a it's a team within them. That is a team within them. Um, it's technically, these... a whole studio in Burnaby, British Columbia, which is where I lived for close to ten years. But yeah, sure. Wow. <laughs> I had to. hashtag knowledge. Um, I told you she has knowledge superpowers. But the reality is, you can go find. You know, like the good news is, a lot of indie games 
their uh, company names are Wacky Is All Get Out. And so it's very easy to just Google their Wacky Is All Get Out indie game, indie company name, and you will find their website. And if they, if they are a team of diverse people, they will say it. Absolutely, because they, um, will, they will say that proud. As, exactly. As they should. I mean, and if they don't, well then, I mean, you, sorry, I guess you just won't know, but I mean, <laughs> most of them will. And, um, and, and you'll We're see that. these companies are about. Like, it's really important. Like, we know what these big corporations are about, right? They have these corporate mandates. They've got, you know, their own agendas in the world. But it's important mm-hmm. to know where your indie games come from, too. It's important to know that there are creators behind these indie games that have views that could... Um, that could complement yours and that could elevate you in new and interesting ways. And there could be creators out there where you're like, oh my goodness, this person is really bigoted. Like, is this really the kind of game that I want to be playing? Is this the kind of content that I want to be bringing into my house? Mm -hmm. Um, But almost 100% of the time, if you are not sure, if Team 17 has published it, chances are you're going to be playing a game that comes from um, a very wholesome place. And it usually there these are development studios that are that come from a wide array of backgrounds and Team Seventeen itself um, is run by a woman, so they're a really trustworthy publishing label that's very family friendly. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is and, and again we keep leaning back into video games because that's what we do, right? Like we are. Sure. This is not a book podcast. This is not a movie podcast. But the reality is, you know, finding. It's important in those mediums as well. I just think it's when you compare, you know, is it easier to find a, a you know a black author or you know a trans author compared to video games? It's a little different, largely because video games are a team effort, and also yeah. there's that layer of abstraction. Um, mm-hmm. But um, and part of that's just because of the way the industry works. Very true. But I mean, if we wanted to push it one step farther, we could look at games that are about people of color so we're talking about something like life is strange 2 even though life is strange 2 is rated m i think that it is a really important title for all teenagers to play at some point in their lives especially white teenagers um it's hard it's a very very hard game to play and it does touch on some really very mature themes um most of which are violent and uh deeply racist so but it's which is the point which is the point it's supposed to make it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. But there are other games out there like Dandara, which is a Raw Fury published game, which is a, I think it's a roguelike. And it's all about flipping gravity. And it's based on, like it's named for a Brazilian artist. Um, and it features uh, a black woman as the protagonist in that game. And it's great. Like, it, the game is stupid hard. Like, I am terrible at Dandara, but I really love the concept. And I love the fact that we're seeing more black women and more women, women of color, you know, taking the stage in more meaningful ways in video games. And I think that I really hope that we keep seeing more of that. I, man, I agree. I hope, and I feel like, I feel like, that's going to happen because we have to keep fighting for it obviously we have to keep trying but what i feel like is there are with each kind of passing week i see more and more people coming around to recognizing the importance of that and again this is where us encouraging our kids to diversify and you know their content they create that create that what that does is it creates a market right if a million of us are like guys make sure you do something and broaden your horizons uh, that's a million kids or more mm-hmm. who are also hungry for that content because that's what they want to do it's important to them that creates and enhances those markets uh, which will help because at the end of the day video games are consumer products but mm-hmm. and so let's let's just build an audience for these uh, marginalized folks by encouraging our kids to seek them out um, and we should also seek them out ourselves whenever mm-hmm. possible Yep, um, absolutely that too. And I think, you know, um, to this is a hard segue, but considering I also uh, 
you know, screwed up and was called up, called out on it on this podcast. I think it's a good idea to talk about not being fragile, right? Like I said something that was a little sensitive, insensitive, um, because I was just being a tool. And you told me, don't do that. And rather than being like, oh my God, and stopping the whole podcast, I just said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to make those Canada jokes anymore. Um, And right. And admittedly, that's a little schlocky. It's a little soft, but whatever. It's, I think it's a good, Listen, I had to segue somehow. No, 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 no. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. But it's true. But, it was something but I had that to segue was hurting somehow. my feelings. It was, it was something that was genuinely hurting my feelings. And because I was able to be like, dude, come on. And, and we were able to just be adults about it. And you were like, oh, well, I don't want to hurt my friend. You know, I love Amanda. I don't want her to feel bad. So apologize. Do better next time. Make different mistakes in the future. So the lesson... I, I, and I will. Um, so the lesson is, um, you know, and this is a piece about fragility, right? And so the idea is, you know, the, and we see examples in, in media all the time when they talk about it where someone is called out for a mistake that they made and um, they just collapse into hysterics uh, or they get really mad. You know, how could you how could you think that of me? I didn't do that. The reality is uh, n- no one's perfect. Everybody's going to screw up. In fact, screwing up is kind of just the state of being. Um, it is. And so encouraging people to – I mean, it's na- it's natural to recoil when you make a mistake. Um, and so the idea is to encourage and kind of reject that idea of being fragile. Just – you know, kind of rolling with the punches and accepting a mistake, apologize and move on and kind of teaching our kids to do the same thing. I mean, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Some kids are really emotional. Some people are really emotional. You know your kids better than we do. Um, yeah. It but- really comes down to how you're how you're talking about it. And I mean, there's a difference between calling out and calling in. So when we call each other out, it's like, well, you're a racist or you're this person. And if they're already in if they're in a safe space already, like they're at home, it's easier to call them in because you know them, you love them. You, we love our children and we, Mm -hmm. we want our children to feel good. And we want our children to make good choices about the things that they say and the things that they do. But it's easier for us as their parents to call them in so that when they leave their house, leave our house and they inevitably get called out, they recognize like, this is coming from a place of love. This is coming from a place of trust where they don't they don't look at that as an attack they look at that as an act of radical love which is exactly what that is is when you call your friends on their nonsense it's an act of radical love mhm absolutely so this is going to be this is a tough one to like enforce enforce is the wrong word but forgive me um right because i mean they're you're because you know you see you you see your kid you know get upset and it's you know it, it comes off kind of weird to be like knock it off you know be tough right you don't want to do that this is a gentle conversation to have um but it's something where you have to just tell them and encourage them to be like hey listen this is not the end of the world you're not evil you're not bad you made a mistake it's time to it's time to fix it don't be sorry be better exactly um and then um but be a little sorry like Lowercase s, sorry. Um, you know, the things you learn from parroting from God of War. Um, don't be sorry, be better. But in this case, be a little sorry. Um, so that was something that we kind of we both agreed on, right? You know, talking mm-hmm. about that, um, you know, fragility. It's a big deal in, in spaces right now. And you see all sorts of videos, right? And all sorts of commentary. And it's... You see it on Facebook, you know, where people right now are like, can't believe this person said this to me. You got to encourage people, you know, our kids to just not do that. Don't be hysterical about it. You're going to screw up. It is inevitable that you will make a mistake. You're going to say something that you didn't know was a problem or maybe that you did know was a problem, but you were just being edgy or something. Oh, my goodness. Discourage edginess in your children. Honestly, discourage it. Edginess is not cute. It's not funny. It's awful. And I, I will die on this hill. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to step on that particular landmine. Oh, no, um, that's totally fine. But uh, for me, it's like, don't be a troll. Like, I'm like, guys, being a, like, humor is for, like, this is important because a lot of kids, you know, my kids see me be funny. 
in general. Sure. I'm funny, and I and you are, and I'm I tr- I try to be. I won the uh, humor award in my parent leadership class that I graduated from yesterday. Um, Congratulations. Um. So. Uh, so they see me be funny, and so they try and do the same thing. But like, I know our kids do the same thing as well. And uh, sometimes kids don't know, but like the only way they know to be funny is to like make fun of people. And yeah, it, because that's what they see. Because that's what they see, especially on YouTube. Oh yeah, especially because on YouTube. All that is is insult humor, and insult like one of the things that we talk about in our house. And like, I have squashed the whole edge lord thing here because I get it makes me real cranky, um, as we just discovered. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no kidding, yeah. guys. I learned that real fast today in it's real okay. time. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. I love you, Steve. You're awesome. Um, I'm not edgy, you know, though. So. No, no. But even even if your kids were edgy, I'd still love your kids, too. But for me, in our house, being edgy isn't being kind. And when the kids are learning about humor, we talk about different kinds of humor. So that's the thing, was we talk about content a lot. And so we talk about humor a lot. We talk about telling jokes and... We, t- we have talked about insult humor and how insult humor is the basest level. It is the basest level of being funny. And it's boring. And it's boorish. And what's the point of being funny if you're not being clever? So we're trying to teach our children that it's always better to be silent and learn and listen and learn your audience and then say something really clever that's just like, well, holy damn, I didn't realize that was in him. You know, Gabriel's a master at that. He's a master at listening and just finding the right place to go and slide in his wordplay. And we're like, oh, that was perfect. That was really well placed, Gabriel. Good job, dude. Yeah, we aren't but, quite, uh, we're not quite so lucky in our ass. We're still dealing with it. It's okay. Um, it's totally but, fine. Well, I, and I think it's important to say it, right? Like, it's not perfect here. I mean, the the We're the not perfect that, here either. I know, like, I know. Please don't I get know. me wrong. Like, we I have, know. the reason why we have those conversations all the time is because we are constantly trying to get the kids to reset their perspectives. So it's like, no, that was a mean thing you said. That's not cool. That's not funny. Would you like it if someone said that to you? Well, no. Well, well there you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, with that, that whole, like, you know, it's it, it, the, the lesson that I try and this is with humor which i think is a lot of where some of the stuff comes from kids um is you know humor is for them not for you so if you're the only one laughing like it really wasn't funny you know so humor is for other people um Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be bringing joy to them not yourself and um you know like obviously it's cool if you laugh too but um, and I know, you know, for me to be talking about humor when we open every podcast with a, a cold open dad joke, um, which we have to record a, a whole bunch of uh, when we're all together at some point in the future, um, because we're running low. Um, but the, cause, well, I mean, we can only make so many at a time. Um, <laughs> um, so the, I guess, spoilers, guys, we record those all at once in a room and then uh, our magical man behind the curtain fixes all of it uh, so that they're all separate. He's a brilliant audio technician. So um, the I think, you know, the so again, talking about fragility, you get called out, don't be don't be hysterical about it. Just be be resilient to being called out. And that means being like, you know what, you're right, my bad, or you know what, I'm confused. I'm gonna go either talk about it later, or research it, or figure it out, and then just move on. And don't, and more importantly, don't do the thing anymore. <laughs> Somebody says that what you're doing hurts. Um, don't, don't do the hurtful thing. Like if, if like you know, it, it's like if you hit somebody. Like if you hit somebody and they're like, dude, knock it off. Like don't do it again. I mean, we're you know make different mistakes, just like we talked mistakes. about, right? Right, exactly. That's what we try to get. The, that's what we try to talk to our kids about all the time. It's yeah. like, Whether it works or not, perfect. Yeah, it's not about being perfect, and you're gonna mess up, and it's gonna be fine. And let me tell you, kids are amazing at messing up in the same way over and over and over again. So making the house, the safe space, your home, the safe space, wherever you live making that the safe space where they can mess up where they're not going to get yelled at they're not going to get belittled or scolded or anything like that where you just have a conversation about it makes an enormous world of a difference to a child where they feel safe and being like oh i pressed that line a little too hard or i didn't understand what i was doing here was going to be hurtful or harmful 
and then they learn that resilience. It's not just about being, don't be fragile. It's about being resilient and being mm -hmm. open to that kind of feedback, listening with your heart. Yeah. And every kid's going to learn that lesson in a different way. So obviously, totally. you know your kids better than we do. Absolutely. And, you know, as I've said on all the other topics, you know, we're not here to judge. We're just here to give, no. you know, kind of actionable advice where we can. Um, speaking of actionable advice, this is the last little bit. And this is something that I brought up um, and was kind of brought up towards the tail end of our uh, little planning meeting was um, having a plan. And yeah. so this is what that means is, um, you know, kids are going to be in a different situation than, than us as adults. But, you know, all of us, you know, if you want to be an ally, uh, it helps to talk with them and, you're, you know, and, and to talk, you know, within yourself um, to have a plan for what to do. So, for example, uh, I, this is something that I had never thought I would have to do, uh, but, um, you know, I go to conventions when the world is open and there will be occasions where, because obviously we don't have conventions right now, uh, but eventually we'll be able to again. And when I am in those places, um, it is possible that there are people who may need my help. And so I need to have a plan on how I'm going to do that. What kind of help am I going to give? Yep. And um, that's important. And that's me because I have that authority, right? I go to conventions. I have that, I have that you know, that's a part of my life. And I go and I am there with people who may need me. Um, our kids maybe aren't in that same situation, but they are probably at school. And so it's, what do I do if there's someone who is upset? Or what do I do if there's someone who is alone? Or what do I do if there's someone who blank? And that, that blank is something that where they are hurt or sad or hungry or, you know, whatever bad thing. And it's important to have a plan. You know, are you going to share? Are you going to involve them? Are you going to invite them? Are you going to stop people from causing an issue? Um, and talking about like having that I'm not saying that you need to have, write down on an index card the exact script of what you need to do so if you see a kid alone on the playground get out your script and say okay hi you know, you know you don't have to do that but you have to have a plan like what kind of stuff are you going to do um, because what's in your power to do exactly what's in your wheelhouse just like you talked about you using your power your platform your privilege and helping folks in the way that you know best, and I'm mm -hmm. helping folks in the way that I know best, mm -hmm. which sometimes for me actually is stepping back and stepping down. That is a thing that I that I have been I've been doing more of lately, which is good. I'm fine with that. That's not mm -hmm. taking from me. That's me giving. That's me being like, nah, I don't need this. This is fine. I've had so much opportunity. Let me spread the love, man. Mm -hmm. But you talking about that the way you did, me talking about it the way that I did, and talking to our kids, giving them the opportunity to define what kind of an ally that they want to be in those moments, that's so important. And I love the fact that that you that you especially were the person that brought that up because it's like, that's genius. I love that. That's something I haven't talked to my kids about, and I'm totally going to do that, like, tomorrow. Well, thanks. Yeah, don't do it I now. It. They're in bed. Um, no, no, they're Don't they're wake them up. Yeah, don't wake them up for that. Um, yeah. It's worth it, but don't do it. Um, so the uh, – and, and yeah, so I, again, I think that that's you know, an important thing. And your kids are all going to have different levels of comfort and different things oh. that they can do. Um, but having – encouraging them to have a plan, and that sounds way more intense than it actually is. It's just like what do you do if there's a kid getting bullied or what do you do if there's a kid that's crying? And you know, a lot of kids may already have a plan. They may not call it a plan, but they may have that. This is the thing that I do. I don't, you know, whatever. And that's great. But talking to them about that, I think, is important. Um, so these are just some of, you know, what we had. I mean, we there are books written about allyship. There, so many. And there will be a thousand more printed in the next, you know, three or four years, right? Like, this is just, it's an important topic. So clearly... So there, there are so many books out there. I, I want to recommend books real quick because there are two, there are two books especially that right. I think are really, really okay. important. Let me mouse kids. into the, let me mouse into the show notes so that I can type their titles. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> okay. I really appreciate um, you. Because my mouse was in a different window. Um. Okay. Ready. Go. Okay. So there are two <laughs> books specifically that I think are really important, especially for older children and teenagers. Um. One is called Stamped from the Beginning. But the remix of Stamped from the Beginning. 
uh, because it's written in a more conversational tone. You get a lot of you get a lot of nuance in a very approachable kind of narrative. And the other one that's really important is um, is how to be an anti-racist. Those are both super important books to read. I'm in the midst of reading how to be an anti-racist. I'm in the midst of reading like a bunch of anti-racist books myself right now. This is my adopted country, right? It's not to say that racism doesn't exist in Canada, but it ha it takes different shapes and forms. And I was aware of some things and not of others. And there are very American-centric things that I didn't understand and know. And now I'm starting to understand them. So I love my adopted home and I am going to fight for it. And I'm going to fight to be a good citizen of the world. Yeah, you got to deal with that like on both ends, right? Like, so you got to learn like the shape it takes and how to solve it all at the same time. That's got to be as extra an challenging. Yeah. As an immigrant, like that's, that's difficult because I have no voting power and it's fine. Um, but there are other things that I can do. There are other Absolutely. ways that I can help. And there are other ways that that I can ensure that the future is a little brighter and that you can ensure the future is a little brighter. And we do that as parents, most mm -hmm. importantly, as parents. So this is just the the briefest discussion. Briefest. Um, there are uh, there there are going to be a lot of books written, not just the two that we uh, mentioned here. And there are um, lots of podcasts out there that talk yep. about this, that um, with people of color with black people um it's all in these discussions are all really important some of them are not necessarily like kiddo safe or kiddo friendly so just wherever you end up there might be some colorful language so just be aware yeah well i mean i think people are yeah people get that i hope but i'm just saying sometimes so, no, the colorful language good, doesn't good, doesn't sit with people it is a good warning um so this is just the briefest talk um, yeah. And, you know, so um, what I would encourage everybody to do is, you know, kind of take some of this advice. Obviously, you know, it's not everything. You have your own thoughts. You know your yeah. kids better than we do. Um, and, you know, kind of use it, you know, even if it was just one little bit um, of what we said helps you. We hope that it does. So, um, so Amanda, this has been episode 225. We did it. Amazing. Did it. I, I hesitate to call this a video game or a board game podcast uh, because we it was covered an it was conversation. A, it was a parenting one. Um, so uh, everybody, I hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we enjoyed recording it. This is very important to us. Something that sh that Amanda and I talk about just all the time. Uh, all the time, not even within the context of the content that we each create. Nope. Um, but. We thought that it would be important to kind of bring it here. Uh, I have a feeling that even though I call this episode 225, I have a feeling we'll be sharing this in perpetuity. Um, and that's okay. And frankly, uh, you can feel free to share that too. If there's somebody that you know that you think uh, might value this advice, maybe they need to hear it from somebody that's a little bit more approachable. Uh, ideally, I think that Amanda and I qualify as approachable folks. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you know, I think we shared a lot of active and useful information, stuff that you can actually do rather than just think about and like get sad. <laughs> we gave you stuff you can literally do, um, with your kids. So Amanda, thank you very much for being on the show with me this week as always. You know, I always love being here and this was such an important conversation. I'm so glad we had it. Absolutely. I look forward to having it again in the future. We're definitely going to have more, I am sure. Um, but next week, Avengers. Um, <laughs> and probably Pokemon and Animal Crossing. Oh, very much it's Animal Crossing. Happen. So um, anyway, everybody, I hope you have a wonderful week. We will be back next week to talk uh, probably about more fun stuff. Uh, but until then, have a great week and don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye now. Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Hop by Kevin McLeod, and audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions. <laughs>